Water is fundamental to human development. From drinking water and sanitation to agriculture and more. You listen to Water Stories, a podcast series where you will learn everything about securing water, energy, and food security for all of us. Hello everyone, I am JC Giraldo, and today we have a new episode in this second season of Water Stories. Before starting, I would like to share this song with you. Okay, this sound is the sound of a Thailand riverboat on the Mekong River. It was interesting to start in this way because today we will discuss with our guest, who is based in Thailand, about the Stockholm Environment Institute initiative, Water Beyond Boundaries, and the community-based ecosystems, and the Lower Sokan River Basin. As you know, the Sokan River in northeastern Thailand is a tributary of the Mekong River, an important river in Asia. For this episode, my co-host is Vishal Mehta from Stockholm Environment Institute. Vishal is an environmental scientist with vast experience in water research. He's based in Davis, California. Vishal, I'm so glad that we have a new episode. How are you? I'm good, Jesse. It's good to be back. I'm especially happy to welcome our guest all the way from Bangkok, is Tanapon Piman, my colleague in the Asia office, which is in Bangkok, in Thailand. Tanapon is a senior research fellow before joining SEI Asia. He was with the Mekong River Commission, uh, very accomplished and experienced um, in the Mekong River Basin. And one of the main areas of Tanapon's work is on climate change and adaptation in that region. So welcome, Tanapon. Good morning, uh, Michan and uh, Jesse. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here and very exciting for my first episode for uh, podcast today. Thank you, Tanapong. Thank you for being our guest. Tanapong, to get into a context, I would like to start this conversation by asking you if you can share with our listeners what makes Sokran River Basin very important. Songkram River is very important for the Mekong uh, uh, River because of its uh, key habitat of fish migrations and also it also uh, provides uh, ecosystem service to the local community in the regions. So Lower Songkham is very important and also have a kind of unique uh, hydrological system in the uh, uh, wet season flow. Uh, during the wet season, when the uh, water level in the Mekong is rising, there's a reward flow from the uh, Mekong to the Lower Songkham. This create a rich biodiversity wetland so it's become habitat officially it's become uh, food for local people it's become a unique system for flooded forest in the region so that's why uh, it become a regional asset of the Mekong River Basin as defined by the Mekong River Commission last two years ago Thank you, Tanapong. Vishal? Yes, uh, Tanapong, uh, can you describe what are the main threats and changes this uh, part of the Songkram River Basin is facing? And uh, with its designation through the Ramsar Convention, 
what are the opportunities for you know mitigating these threats and improving habitat conditions and livelihoods there are three main threats in the lower songkhram now one is regarding to the uh, changing of hydrological conditions in the uh, mekong rivers because of lack uh, reservoir development in the basin so those reservoir have uh, modified the seasonal flow you know they try to redistribute a uh, wet season flow to the dry season flow so it make uh, uh, it affect uh, the fat power on the river and also the river flow to the lower songkhram so that's why now the hydrological uh, condition in lower songkhram it 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 changing and of course because of the changing it also have implication to the fish migration to the fishermen you know they had lost their kind of uh, nature uh, uh, nation uh, was it they lost kind of uh, natural kind of condition so that is uh, one a key threat in the lower songkhram now second is also linked to the overuse of the uh, ecosystem resort in lower songkhram particularly overfishing from the local community in the past local community fishing uh, for food for a kind of small scale economic uh, development in the village or in the community but however because of the fish of lower songkhram become famous you know not only the fresh fish but also kind of uh, dry fish in example you know that's why the, when demand is increasing <laughs> so supply have to be increased too so that's why local people have kind of a uh, over catch of fish that also make fish population uh, uh, degradation somehow and the last threat is linked to the uh, land use change and also uh, how to say that uh, fertilizer from uh, chemical fertilizer from the agriculture sector that also lead to uh, water quality degradation so many uh, flooded uh, area or forest community forest in the lower songkhram have turned to uh, agriculture area so that's also uh, destroy the uh, key habitat you know of bird and fish in in the in the lower songkhram Thank you, Tanapong. I know that fisheries play an essential role in the sustainable economy in the Sokran River Basin, and this is related to community-based ecosystems. In August 2022, you published a brief with your colleague Ridi Saluja on the website of the Stockholm Environment Institute entitled The Wetlands of Lower Sokran River Basin Needs Collaborated Conservation, and you mentioned this concept. How would you describe the concept of community-based ecosystems? Yeah, uh, when we uh, uh, conduct the few research on the ground, we have a chance to uh, interview and talk with the community. We found that uh, some community, there is a leader by the women, that's very great. And also, uh, I think they're very keen on uh, protecting the ecosystem. In example, uh, a community forest, they also try to promote how to uh, use the uh, forest uh, product in sustainable way in example second we also see that the community among the community itself uh, with maybe support from the local government they try to uh, establish you know the uh, fish conservation zone along the river and the third 
I think uh, uh, action that I see is very important. Also, they work with the fit, uh, Department of Fishery, you know, to uh, to try to set a rule on uh, fishing. So that's why uh, during uh, now the uh, migration of fish, you know, period, they are not allowed to catch any fish anymore. So they would like uh, uh, fish to have time to breeding, you know, to grow and to return back to the Mekong. So that, that kind of a, a concrete example that we found from our research under the Water Beyond Boundary Initiative. Tanapom, before uh, giving the pass to Vishal, the basin is based on fishing, right? And food plant agriculture. Yes. So my question is, is it 50% fishing and 50% food plant agriculture, 60%, 40%? How is the balance of this in the communities uh, of the basin, in your opinion? Okay, so mostly uh, of the uh, community, uh, mostly most community people there have the main occupation on the right uh, farmings. That is the first kind of economic part. And uh, officially, it's more like a secondary job, you know, for them during the, the flood period. So that is a, a kind of nature of the, uh, of the local economic there. So right farming is the first uh, kind of uh, occupation, you know, for them. So they go right for, for food, for sure, and then uh, for selling. Uh-huh. Then uh, during the flood, because they don't have uh, uh, land for farming anymore, so that's why they turn themselves into the fishermen. Uh-huh. So that is kind of the, the culture over there. Right and fish is their culture. Yeah. Bishal. Yes, uh, Tanapon, so um, you had mentioned that this area is now part of the Ramsar Convention on Wetlands and is recognized as such. Now, for our listeners, the Ramsar Convention on Wetlands is an international treaty that provides frameworks for national action, international cooperation, for the conservation and wise use of wetlands. So there are, I think, uh, more than 170 uh, contracting parties and more than 2,400 wetlands under this convention. I was just wondering if you could uh, tell us about your hopes and any kind of tangible you know, opportunities uh, that come from this designation. Okay, that's a very good question, Kap. I uh, Before I answer this question, let I also refer back to our few uh, work uh, on ground in the uh, lower Songkram. We also ask the uh, community on this question, you know, what do you think about the, the LAMSA? Yeah, I think they have well aware about the importance of LAMSA uh-huh, to uh, conserve the biodiversity and also to promote sustainable use, you know, uh, on the ecosystem service in the lower Songkram. But however, there are also some community they are not really understand what LAMSA mean, you know, and what benefit they will get if we turn them into the LAMSA. What is different, <laughs> you know? Do they gain more money? Do they have more jobs, you know? So this is kind of uh, also critical uh, question to the community that I think we or the local government need to work more on how to uh, show the importance of the LAMSA in practice 
So what I hope actually is not hope. What I need to see is actually after at now to become a lemsa. I think uh, the government now try to start uh, setting a master plan in the uh, lower Songkram to manage this resort together with the community. So I expect to see that the community will be a part, will be a part of the planning process. And also it's, it's going to be more uh, support in terms of technical, financial and opportunity to community, you know, to uh, promote sustainable use of the uh, ecosystem service and also have more alternative, you know, or eco-friendly kind of uh, action, you know, in the, in the lower Songkhlam. Yeah. Interesting, Tanapong. But not only the Ramsar Convention is working in these conservation issues, as Vishal mentioned, I read in your report that the Mekong River Commission is one and the Thailand a Master Plan of Integrated Biodiversity Management. So my question is, are these entities working together on these issues? Uh, yeah, that is also a kind of good kind of question too, because of the lower Songkham is not only the uh, national context to do like Thailand because the downstream is connected to the Mekong. So uh, it's important that these three key players have to work together. Yeah, but clearly there is also a, a mechanism through the Mekong River Commission that they try to connect between the regional context and national context to provide a platform or kind of table to discuss how the Mekong is linked to the lower Songkam and what kind of regional support that need to be addressed, you know, at that basin. But however, I see that it's not enough as I see the current practice, you know, they have only few time meeting and also they are not really well connected to the local level yet. So that's why I think the challenge now how to link these three levels together in the same time to make sure that the dot is, is well connected and to make sure that the wire from the local community is a part of a decision process or they may have some power to make also their own decision. So that, that is something that I think it needs to be uh, addressed more effective, you know, in the current way. So Tanapon, I was, uh, I'm glad you mentioned about the different scales, you know, there are the national and international scales and the local scales. And so I was wondering about community-based, you know, at the local scale, the community-based adaptation measures. Uh, two questions. One is, um, in Thai governance systems and culture, are community-based uh, systems and governance systems uh, well-established historically that such efforts have, you know, uh, higher success rates or is this something new in the country? And a related question is, uh, can you describe a few specific ways in which SCI Asia is, is interacting in that space at the local level? So first, uh, I would say that uh, community-based action in Thailand is not new. I think since our Ramanai, they promote a lot community-based uh, adaptation, community-based uh, livelihood, you know. So it's well established uh, in, in Thailand. So, and also in terms of governance structure, uh, we already uh, decentralized the power to the local uh, government, you know, on supporting community to, to uh, develop uh, kind of their own agenda. So, I think that's well kind of uh, addressed on this issue already. But, however, 
not only the community skill, some issue is beyond the community skill. <laughs> I come back to like a macro, you know, the community itself, they cannot manage the reward flow back to the macro, right? <laughs> and also they cannot also control the upstream, let's say, flow from other province. So this is way or room or opportunity for SEI to uh, link with them and try to connect the system or maybe try to promote that they have to think beyond community in some aspect, you know, like how to manage upstream, downstream, and how to make sure that the knowledge is the knowledge and awareness is not promote in only the downstream part, you know, that have to be also promote into the upstream parts as well to make sure that the lower Songkram have enough flow with a good quality to maintain the biodiversity, you know, itself. Yeah. So, so what kind of activities are you doing with these communities? If you'd like okay. to describe one or two. Yeah. So first we try to, again, to uh, re kind of valuation of ecosystem service because as I mentioned in the previous question about the key trade, you know, we would like now to compare between uh, the past, let's say 15, 20 years right now, you know, how much the ecosystem valuation, you know, different from the past and why, you know, that is one that we would like to know. And this answer can also help the government to uh, update the, the plan or better understanding the new context, you know, in the lower Songkram. Second, we also support uh, the local government and national government in Thailand to develop uh, kind of uh, the tool to monitor the wetland health through uh, remote sensing kind of technology, you know, as we know, that's very advanced now. And also this is a large area scale. So human resource may not enough to monitor this kind of uh, large scale changing. So that's why we introduce the kind of remote sensing technique, you know, to support them have a bigger picture in terms of monitoring. And apart from monitoring, we also uh, develop kind of modeling system, you know, to assess the you know, different scenario uh, of the lower Songkham for planning purpose. As I mentioned, we would like to bring a key actor on the table and try to bring them on the kind of big picture, you know. If you do that, what happened with this? And if we do this, what happened with that? You know, this will give them more idea and, and based on the sci scientific information, you know, for planning purpose. So that's two main uh, kind of uh, contribution right now. Uh, for our kind of work under the uh, Water Beyond Boundary project. But uh, at the end, we also expect that from this kind of information, we can uh, influence the decision in different level to consider the importance of the ecosystem and biodiversity in the development plan. You know, try to put the uh, ecosystem as a priority similar to other development sectors like water supply or agriculture, you know. So that, that's going to be make kind of a uh, sustainable way for the lower Songkram. Thank you, Tanapon. Tanapon, currently on the planet, we have more frequent rains, droughts, floods, change in the weather patterns, etc. In your opinion, how do the community members around the basin react to this situation? Are they resilient? Are they aware of these extreme situations? 
What is your opinion? Uh, first, I think uh, what I see from the field is they start aware about uncertainty. So they can uh, observe, you know, the change from the uh, rain pattern. In example, uh, normally the rain uh, in Thailand should uh, begin in May, but right now they feel that the rain come late of May or in June, in example. So that's why some, let's say not all, some community that have resilience, they start adapt by themselves first, try to, you know, not planting right in the same time in May, but they try to plant it uh, gradually, like maybe 30% of the area first in May. If the rain come, then they increase the area of planting, in example. That is kind of one uh, adaptation on ground that we observe from, from the field survey. Secondly, is also they have more kind of aware about weather forecast, you know, weather information through the uh, uh, mobile app or through the uh, news now. I think uh, community aware on this kind of information for their planning on agriculture or, or fishery, in example. But however, I mean, some community also still vulnerable because of many kind of conditions like education, poverty, or maybe a landowner. They don't have much options for adapt. They just, you know, leave whatever it is. You know, that is also kind of the group that we very interesting on our research too. How we help them to improve their their livelihood. You know, what kind of support, you know, do they need for for that? Yeah. Thank you, Tanapong. Uh, before continuing, uh, Bishal. Something that is very interesting to me is that this case of the Socran River Basin is pretty similar to the Magdalena River Basin in Colombia. Do you remember that in previous episodes we talked about teleconnections with Claudia Colioni? Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, related to teleconnections, um, I am remembering what Tanapon was saying earlier today about you know, dams he mentioned. So I wanted to go back to, to that, Tanapon, you know, at that scale. Are there big infrastructure projects that you think are coming up uh, upstream? And how do you think that might change the lower Songkram River Basin? Uh, definitely, Kap, it will come. <laughs> As this is a kind of agenda in other countries, you know, in the upstream, that they would like to uh, do the energy security and use the energy to uh, support socioeconomic, you know, in their own country. So uh, I work in the Mekong already almost 17 years since uh, no dams. <laughs> Until now, it's almost 100 dams in the system. So, well, so, Are you saying that when you started working 17 years ago, there were no dams? There's few dams, let's say. Not, 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 not a large few, dam yet. Few dams. You know, not a large dam. Mm. And now it's there almost are how many did you say? dams now in the system within uh, 15 years. So it's rapid wow. development. So that's why it's now become a drastical chain, you know, in the Mekong flow that we already observe. Or it's already evident that hydrological condition in the Mekong is changing. You know, no perception, no case, you know, it's very clear now. So that's why it's also affect lower Songkram, as I mentioned, first for sure on the reward flow and also our research will prove that through the modeling system that we set to the remote sensing data that we are doing 
we will try to prove this that uh, the hydrological or reward flow or flooded area in the lower Songkram is changing from the past. So that's one. Secondly, uh, the long-term consequence from the uh, flow uh, chain is going to be linked to the sediment and nutrients from the flow uh, to the Tolesa because normally water or flow, it doesn't mean just water in the uh, Mekong, it comes with the nutrient that uh, that that is a food for fish, you know, and also to serve the stability right. of river bank, river banks along the Mekong, in example. So that's going to be a long-term impact, you know, on the fertilizer, on the food for the fish, in example, and also other, I mean, ecosystem, biodiversity. And the third part is more than a kind of a volume of water when we see is also linked to the fluctuation of the water level in the uh, Mekong uh, River because it's not uh, nature anymore, right? Sometimes no rain, but you can have uh, rising water level. <laughs> in example, sometimes you see rain, but you don't see water, in example. So this water fluctuation is also uh, affect, uh, I think, fish behavior or fish, you know, migration routine in example so so that's kind of a consequent cap on on the uh, dam development through the whole system not only lower songkram but also it is have like kind of <laughs> large scale kind of consequent impact downstream as well to to uh, in example in cambodian and maybe vietnam delta as well yeah Tanapon, governments are important stakeholders. So do you coordinate with Cambodia, with Laos, China, Myanmar, or Vietnam when you are working with some projects or just you guys are focused only in Thailand? Yes, actually now there are two mechanisms for coordination on 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 uh, transboundary uh, river management. The first one is Mekong River Commission that I used to work uh, before so they this is a intergovernment body so they have kind of uh, agreement together but uh, the agreement is only uh, side for four country uh, including thailand lao cambodian and vietnam not include myanmar and china so myanmar and china is more like dialogue partner you know so that's why uh, this is also kind of uh, a good body to start coordinate among member country in the Mekong region and from my uh, experience also there are not many uh, transboundary river have this kind of coordination body you know to talk or discuss you know of course even we know that they're gonna have dam development somewhere somehow but at least they, you know beforehand <laughs> you know because they have kind of procedure for notification you know, in advance. Uh -huh. So that's kind of uh, a mechanism that MRC, Mekong River Commission have. But however, the recently year, you know, last uh, four or five years, there are new cooperation mechanism called Lan Chang Mekong Cooperation that lead by China. Also set up a kind of platform or a room to dialogue now among six countries, you know. So in this cooperation, water is one issue also that they uh, establish, you know, 
but it's beyond kind of water resource management. They also have other kind of economic development aspect in in this cooperation as well. So this is kind of two main mechanism now for Sikh government, you know, to discuss, debate, negotiation, you know. Uh huh. Uh yeah. Tanapon, before wrapping up, do you have any personal experience that you have had in the river basin? You know that you would like to share with the audience. Yeah, I think uh, my greatest experience is uh, now uh, the community is kind of uh, actively, you know, to learn, to adapt, and they open for everything, you know, to make sure that the kind of uh, environmental or ecosystem service will be able to continue for the next generation. That is what I I I very kind of uh, feel great, you know. When they talk about the new generation, how to conserve uh, biodiversity, how to conserve ecosystem service, how to conserve uh, community forest to to the next generation. Second, they also try to engage the youngs into the activity or in, into the uh, process of decision making. That is also I see the the kind of a great experience what I get from the ground. Yeah. Thank you, Tanapong. Very interesting. Vishal, is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation? Just uh, sharing a thought I had about uh, how this these tensions in development are age-old and continue. It seems forever. For example, development and development for whom? For example, when Tanapong was talking about you know a hundred dams being built in fifteen years on the Mekong, um, I was just thinking about recent news that in the western US, in the Klamath River Basin, they are taking down a few dam- dams, removing them to revive salmon fisheries that native peoples relied on for ages and ages. So we have you know, different things going on in different places and different stories and uh, who matters and development for whom. These are some of the thoughts I've had through this conversation. But apart from that, I just wanted to thank Tanapon. It's it's a pleasure to have you in our Davis office and on this podcast, Water Stories. Tanapon, I enjoyed this conversation with you and Vishal. And I don't know if you would like to add something else. No, I'm I'm also glad to to have this podcast to also to share. I mean, uh, experience in the lower Songkram to wider audience, and that is also one of expect uh, of our project. You know, to bring lower Songkram to the global attention, and also that's gonna you know uh, return to the lower Songkram in terms of experience or technical support. You know, like Michelle mentioned that we also try to say that uh, U.S. now try to remove the dam. Do you want to uh, repeat the same pathway, you know? But our kind of role in terms of scientists, that is our role. But in terms of decision, it's still uh, a complex fear, you know? It's not only this kind of uh, remark, you know? They have to consider, I think, many factors before they make a decision. But at least I believe that they should have kind of second thought, you know? Or third thought before make uh, a critical decision right now. So, yeah. Thank you, Tanapon. My last comment will be that when I read your report, one of the key recommendations is empower local communities. And I couldn't agree more with you because the communities are essential to implement all kind of process. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, yeah. Vishal, thank you so much. Until the next episode. Until then. Thank you all. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, everyone. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stay tuned to our next episode.